This message is presented by Pastor Chuck Wilson. Okay. All right. Chuck Wilson, New Hope Community Church. Thank you, Sarah. Give her a little shout out. <clears throat> okay. So here we go. Biblical prophecy making sense of our crazy world. Mark 13. We already did. We did Matthew 24. We did the book of Daniel. And now the granddaddy of them all, we're in the book of Revelation, and we're going to do the intro to Revelation today. And the title officially is The Secret to Happiness. The Secret to Happiness, <coughs> Revelation 1, 1 through 3. Everybody wants to be happy, don't we? We all want to be happy. Everybody wants to be happy. The problem is that we aim for fake happiness and false promises, the wrong ways to get true happiness. We want to feel happy. We'll talk more about that later. We just want to feel happy. So we turn, uh, which is really false happiness, so we turn to things that aren't going to really make us truly happy. We turn to alcohol. We turn to pot or CBD. We turn to pornography to pick us up. We turn to all these different things. And the sad fact is that none of this leaves us truly happy or fulfilled. In fact, after we do these types of things, we are more empty than when we even started. Where we started, when we started, we're even more empty. We're going to see true happiness. We're going to see the secret to true, the true secret to true happiness in the book of Revelation today. This final book of Revelation gives us the keys to life. The keys to eternal life, which starts the moment we put our faith in Jesus Christ. Remember back in Daniel, we just finished up the book of Daniel. And in Daniel chapter 12, verse 2, it says, Multitudes who sleep in the dust of the earth will awake, some to everlasting life, others to shame and everlasting contempt. Everlasting life. That was the first time in the Bible that we see the, the, the term everlasting life. Although resurrection from the dead is many, many times all throughout from Genesis on, we see resurrection. But the idea of everlasting life, that's the first time it's used in the book, in the Bible. It's in Daniel. First time in the Old Testament. Many times in the New Testament. Uh, and now we come to Revelation, which is the other side of the cross, the other side of the resurrection. After we've already seen many references to eternal life, we come to the book of Revelation where we'll now we'll see the fulfillment of this promise of eternal life, of everlasting life. We're going to see the fulfillment. We're going to see a vivid picture of all that's been promised and all that's been hinted to. We're going to see it very vividly here in the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation, the keys to life and happiness it's going to be quite a ride. Put on your seatbelts. Father, we just thank you for this final book that you have put in your word, for the promises, for the encouragement, for the hope in the midst of a lot of very difficult trials that we're going to go through, the whole planet's going to go through, that we have hope in Jesus Christ because this is the revelation of Jesus Christ, your son. I pray that if anybody who's listening to this, have never put their faith in Jesus, given their life to him, found true purpose, true happiness, true fulfillment, they would do that today. Through, this, through the word that they're going to hear today, through the book of Revelation, we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so, a little quick intro here. The Gospels. <clears throat> in the Gospels, we see Jesus Christ's life, we see his death, his resurrection, his ascension, and then we come to the book of Acts where we see that Jesus sends the Holy Spirit. 
and the 12 apostles, now Jesus has ascended, the 12 apostles now lead the church and they head up the, the disciples who are following Jesus. But then in Acts chapter 12, verse 2, we see that King Herod has the apostle James put to death with a sword, probably beheaded, we're not quite sure, but probably beheaded. And then we know that of the, the remaining 11 apostles who are still alive, 10 of them are martyred. 10 of the 11 are martyrs, which means 11 out of 12. We're not sure how, but tradition gives us some indication of this. Peter, how was Peter killed? Crucified upside down. Remember in Rome, crucified upside down, which fulfilled John 21, 18. Go look at that. And his brother also, Andrew, was also crucified in Greece. Matthew was killed with a sword wound in Ethiopia. Nathaniel was in Asia and Turkey, and he was flayed to death by a whip. Thomas was speared to death in India. Matthias, who was Judas' replacement, remember Judas who committed suicide, Matthias was his replacement. He was stoned and beheaded. Uh, that's what we know about the, the official apostles. And Paul, the apostle to the Gentiles, he was tortured and beheaded in Rome. Rome again, we keep hearing Rome. Rome is always in conflict with, a, conflict with God, with the Holy Spirit. The Roman Empire, Roman religion, in constant conflict with the Holy Spirit. James, the brother of Jesus, he's not an apostle, but he's a leader of the church in Jerusalem. He was thrown down from the top of the temple a hundred feet high. He was thrown down. He somehow survived, but he was badly hurt, but he survived. But they beat him to death after they found that he was still breathing. It's interesting that was the same pinnacle that he was thrown off of, was the same pinnacle that Jesus was taken up to the top by Satan to be tempted to jump from it. And Jesus wouldn't jump, but his, his brother is thrown from there. The apostle John, the only one left. Uh, the only one who wasn't martyred, but they tried. They tried. The emperor had him boiled in oil to kill him. He wouldn't cook, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So he was sent to the prison, the island prison of Patmos. We're going to see that in verse 9. He was later released. He didn't even die there. He re returned to Ephesus where he dies an old man, the only one of the twelve to die an old man. You want proof that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is true? I just gave it to you. You don't need any other proof. We're going to see the resurrected Jesus here in the book of Revelation, but we don't need any other proof. When someone is tortured, they break. Sooner or later, everyone breaks. Everyone who's facing death, if they're, if it's, if it's something that's not true, they're going to admit it's not true. Facing death, facing, facing torture. Everyone breaks. But not one of the apostles, through their tortures, there were many, through their stonings, through their beatings, through their whippings. Look at just the apostle Paul. But all of them. Facing death, not one of them recanted. Not one of them said Jesus didn't really rise from the dead. And think about before the resurrection. They were a bunch of wimps. They were super wimps. They all went and hid. They were all afraid. What changed? Well, the Holy Spirit came upon them. But also, they saw the resurrected Jesus. The resurrected Jesus. 
Not one apostle broke. John's the only one who wasn't martyred, although like I said, they tried, but he's on Patmos, the island of Patmos, and he's actually working in the mines. All the prisoners set to Patmos had to work in these mines. It's 95 AD. He's an old man, just like Daniel. I don't know what they had him doing, picking up a little rock at a time. Who knows? But while he's on Patmos, he receives a vision from the resurrected Jesus. A vision. And the the reason Jesus appeared and gave this final book of the Bible to complete the canon, to complete God's word, is the church was under intense persecution from Rome. The Christians were being used as human candles at this time to light the gardens. Uh, they were being tried to force them to worship the emperor. Just like in China, we see now that those stories are coming out that they're telling Christians they can't pray to Jesus. They can only pray to the, the communist dictator. You know, they have to pray to them. It's the same idea, but uh, they, they were actually killed if they wouldn't do that here. And they're going to be killed in China too, obviously. The book of Revelation is given by Jesus Christ, as we will see. And he's saying, don't give in. Don't give in. Don't give up the second coming. I'm coming again. You are going to win. We are going to win. I'm the emperor of the universe. And in the end, I'll do the cooking. The whole planet. <laughs> All those who follow Satan. I'll do the cooking. And it's just like in the book of Daniel. In Daniel, it's the same kind of theme that God is sovereign. Sovereign over world history. Sovereign over the end times. Sovereign over the coming history. He's in total control. And Daniel and Revelation are completely connected as we will see. And let's pick it up with the first couple of verses today in Revelation 1, verse 1, where it says, The revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place, he made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. The time is near. Verse 1, I'm going to read it again. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. The revelation, the revelation, the word means, uh, uh, is in the Greek means, it says apocalypse. Apocalypse, that's the actual word. It means to unveil unveil something, to show something that's hidden. Remember in Daniel 12, we saw that Daniel was told to seal it up and conceal the words. And we don't know what God told him in Daniel 12, but we're seeing it now. It's revealed here to John, another old man, uh, revealed to John in his old age what, what Daniel was able to see. And it's a revelation of Jesus Christ. It's given by Jesus, but it's also about him. The whole focus of Revelation is, is not end times. The whole focus of Revelation is Jesus Christ, who talks about end times. Jesus Christ in the Gospels, when we saw him in the Gospels, he was a humble servant, but now we see him in his full glory as the judge of the earth. Wait till you see it. And it says it's given to his servants. Given to his servants. The Greek for servants is doulos. Doulos. It literally means slave. Given to his slave. Whenever you see that word, word servant, you can just interject slave because that's what it really means. And the idea for a doulos, a slave, is they were a slave, but it was a voluntary surrender. 
That they, be, they chose to become a slave to someone. Slaves could do that in the Roman Empire. Many were taken by force, but, but the doulos could voluntarily, uh, 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 also voluntarily choose to serve somebody and be their slave for life. And this is what, in fact, in the book of, uh, in the law, you could do the same thing. The Hebrew law, they could do the same thing. But it's the idea is voluntary surrender. In the world, the idea of slavery is very negative. Very, very negative. Uh, so it's, it's a, it's a horrible thing to be a slave and to have a history of slavery in our country. And it is, it is. But as a Christian, it's a badge of honor. A badge of honor. What, what did Paul always say? Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. He's saying that Paul, a doulos, a slave of Jesus Christ. It's a badge of honor. Are we slaves of Jesus? Have we voluntarily surrendered? What do we need to surrender to Jesus Christ today to truly be his servant? What do we need to surrender? Something, someone that we need to surrender in order to truly follow Jesus Christ. And then he says, given to his servants about what must soon take place. What must soon take place. This is prophecy. A lot of prophecy here. Uh, 30%, a lot of people say, I don't like prophecy. I get bored with it. All right, we don't need to worry about prophecy. Prophecy is 30% of the Bible. 30%. Guess what that means? That the Holy Spirit thinks is important. And prophecy can be foretelling or forthtelling, preaching the word or foretelling what's going to happen. But the foretelling part, prophesying, telling us what's going to happen, confirming the word by saying this is what's going to happen and it does happen. That is not in the Quran. It's not in the Hindu religion or Buddhist religion. None of the world religions have this. Only Christianity, only the Judeo-Christian Bible has this because only God knows history before it happens. He, that authenticates this. The Old and New Testament. Genesis through Revelation is authenticated by the prophecy that is fulfilled to the T, to the letter. Amazing. Only, only this Bible is the Word of God. None of the other religious books of the world who claim to get you to God somehow, the, the Supreme Being, none of them have this. We are the only ones with proof that we serve the one true God, that we actually have His Word, that we truly know His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. And he says the pro uh, what must soon take place, uh, talking about the prophecy which must soon take place. Must. The idea is uh, inevitable. That God is in control before it happens. It has to happen. God is in control. And he says must happen soon. Must happen soon. It's been 2,000 years since, since uh, Jesus gave this revelation. But... It's still the idea that it will happen suddenly. We're going to get to a little bit more of that in a minute. But the idea is soon is, is suddenly. When God decides it's time, it's going to be boom. It's going to happen. He wasn't saying it's going to happen tomorrow or, or soon as in timetables, which we'll get to a little bit later on. But he is stressing something that it, it's going to be sudden. When God decides, it's going to happen suddenly. Look at the United States. I've been saying for years, everybody says, Pastor Chuck, you're crazy. We always thought you were crazy. Now we're like, whoa, he really knew what he was talking about. That's because I was using the word of God. And, and I kept saying, this is what's going to happen to the U.S. This judgment time is coming. This shaking up time. There has to be revival or judgment. We're seeing it. I hope there's still revival. But if there's not, there's going to be judgment. But we saw how quickly 
Things have gone upside down. The world's turned upside down in the United States in the last few months. And that's the idea of the word soon. It's just boom. When it's God's decision time, boom, it's going to happen quickly. It's imminent. That's how God wants us to live. It, it, the idea of imminent. It could happen any time and it's going to happen quickly when God decides it's time. It, it reminds me kind of, give you an idea of when Jesus said it's going to happen soon, how, why he says this and how he wants us to live. When Kim and I, we, now we have older kids who can babysit, but at one time, I remember when we had like nine kids, only nine at the time, and, uh, I remember we, the older ones would babysit, and usually we would trust one of the girls to babysit, not one of the boys, and, and they would call us, we go on a date, we get, finally get on a date, and we, you know, we, we, we remember years we hardly got to go out because we didn't have anybody to watch the kids, years, and, and the, the, when finally kids were old enough, the older ones would call and say, Mom and Dad, it's getting pretty bad here. When are you going to come home? And I remember Kim would be on the phone. We are out to eat. She'd say, we're coming soon, soon. So she's saying that to encourage the babysitter who's watching the eight kids who are going nuts, right? she just hang on. I'm coming soon, okay? Same word, Jesus, same idea here. And, but if the kids called, like the boys would call, they, eh, Megan's being mean to us, you know, she won't let me, blah, 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 you know, calling, and, but they're being bad, and so, or, or even one of the babysitting girls would put on, the, put one of the younger ones on the phone, or the boys usually, and put them on the phone and say, listen, Kim would say, listen, we're coming home soon. We're coming home soon. They, why? Because she wanted them to think it could be any time. Any time. And it wasn't going to be any time. But it could be any time because uh, she wants them to behave. You see, soon was relative. To the to the babysitter, it was, hang on, I'm coming. You're, you're going to be okay. And to the other ones, it's going to be like, you better be ready. I could be jumping through that door any minute. You're going to get it, right? Uh, and that's the idea. Soon, Jesus wants us to live. He wants us to encourage us, but also to warn us. And he wants us to, to live like he could come any second. That's the idea of, of soon, of imminent, okay? So that's the picture Jesus gives us here with Revelation 1, verse 1. And then in verse 2, we see the communication chain. He who testifies to everything he saw, that is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Oh, and I'm sorry, i got to back up to one. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant, John. So I want to stick with John there. Okay, um... One and two. Oh, and then verse two. Who testifies to everything he saw, that is the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So the communication chain is really, um, is really God tells Jesus, Jesus tells the angel, the angel tells John, and now John has told us. That's the, the, the chain of command here. Verse three though, here we go. Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and take to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. The time is near. It's the only book, the book of Revelation is the only book in the Bible to begin with a promise of a blessing. And it also, the only one to begin with a promise of a blessing and it's also the only one to end with a curse. A curse. <laughs> Remember that. Wait till we see the curse at the end. But, but the beginning with a promise of blessing. It's the first of seven blessings in the book of Revelation. This is the first one. Start counting them as we go, okay? And he says, blessed is the one who reads. It's vital for us to be reading and studying God's word. Very, very important. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It penetrates the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. The word of God is living 
living and active. It's sharp. It drives home into our very souls, into our hearts and minds. The Word of God is living and active, and that's why it's so important to read it. And that's why it's such a powerful effect on us when we really do read it. And not just to read it, but it says to hear it and take to heart what is written in it. We Read, take to heart, and, uh, I'm sorry, read it, hear it, and take to heart what is written in it. All three are vital. It must change our hearts and our minds. It must change our lives, the way that we live. It must change our worldview, the way that we think. We should have biblical world, biblical thinking versus worldly thinking. Blessed is the one who reads this and hears it and takes to heart. That's very important. Not just to zip through the Bible. you got to read it and really hear it and then let it really get to our hearts. Very, very important. But he says, blessed is the one who does this. Blessed, the word blessed means to be happy, to be happy, but it's much deeper than that, what we think of as happy, you know. Don't worry, be happy. Much, much deeper than that, okay? The, the word for happiness here, it means to be fully satisfied, fulfilled, fully satisfied because we have the Holy Spirit within. It's not based on circumstances. It doesn't matter what's going on around us. It's based on the relationship we have with God as our Father and the confidence that we have in Him. It's different from the world. got to erase the world's idea of happiness. The world's attempt at happiness is kind of summed up as what I call the Super Bowl commercials. You know, the Super Bowl commercial, uh, the guy has a beer and a girl and his team is winning the Super Bowl and he's going to Disney World at the end, right? That's the idea of the world's happiness. It reminds me of after one of the, one of the Super Bowls, I, I saw Tom Brady being interviewed later on. It was a while after the, the Super Bowl. When it, was, it was when he first started winning them. It was after a couple, I can't remember, he had two or three at the time. And this guy had it all. He had, you know, the, the rings, the Super Bowl rings. He had any girl he wanted. He had the money. He had the fame. But he was talking and he was just sharing how empty he was. I'll never forget it. He's like, I got all this, but I just, I just, I, I thought, Is, isn't there more to it? He wasn't happy. He wasn't fulfilled because it's a picture of every one of us without Jesus Christ. doesn't matter what we have without Jesus. We're not going to be fulfilled. But if we have Jesus, we have that relationship with God through His Son, Jesus. doesn't matter what we have. We're going to be fulfilled. That's the difference. John, the Apostle John, sitting, boiling in oil. The Apostle John, in this cave, working in this cave, mining in this cave, he had something that Tom Brady was clueless about, and I think probably still is. I haven't heard about him coming to faith yet. Had something that Tom is clueless about, and that is he was... The Apostle John was truly happy. He was fulfilled. He had a joy that, that 12 Super Bowl rings couldn't have brought him. Couldn't bring anybody. That's what the Apostle John had. And that's what each of us, God wants each of us as Christians to have. Do you want to be really happy? Read the Word. Listen to God's Word. Take it to heart. Let it change your life. That's the way to be happy. That's the only way to be happy. Uh, James 1.22, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That's vital to be happy. I know my life, when I'm in God's word, when I'm in the word, when I'm in fellowship with Jesus Christ, I have a peace that passes understanding. But if I'm not, I'm miserable. I'm uneasy. Life is out of whack. You know what I'm talking about. Just something's out of whack. Yeah, I'm not in the word. I'm not connected to Jesus. I'm not letting the Holy Spirit fill me on a daily basis. And I see that in ministry all the time too. I've been in ministry 
ministry 35 years now. I see it all the time. Lives that are out of, out of line with the Word of God. They're not in line with the Word of God. They're out of whack. They end up miserable. And I warn people all the time, your life is going against the Word. You're not letting the Word, the Word of God direct. Your Word is a light to my feet and a light for my path. Um, you're not letting the Word direct you and your life is, is, is going to be, end up miserable. And some listen and some don't. And it's inevitable. I could bank on it that they're going to end up miserable. And they are. The USA is unhappy. The United States, even before the coronavirus crash, the USA was known as the, one of the most unhappy countries. We have everything, but we're the one of the most unhappy countries in the world. We have everything except God's Word. We have everything because we've rejected it. We have everything except Jesus Christ. And, and the, like I said, the coronavirus has made it worse, but the effects were already there. The coronavirus and all the crises that have come have just magnified this unhappiness, this hopelessness. We can only have it through Jesus Christ, and we can only be, and our lives have to be grounded on what the words of Jesus Christ in, in the Word. Je- Revelation 1. Revelation 1. Verse 3. Because the time is near. The time is near. Take to heart, verse 3, blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. It's soon. We're coming home soon, kids. It's it's soon. It's soon. But we've got to keep in mind God's watch. God's, uh, yeah, I don't wear a watch anymore. I got a phone. God's, God's, uh, you know, timepiece. God's way of keeping time. Very, very different from ours. Second Peter, verse, chapter three, verse eight. But do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. Some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. God's perspective on time. It's only been two days, 2,000 years, two days. (laughs) But I do believe it's getting close. I really do believe because, and we'll see this as we go, the nation of Israel. Once Israel becomes a nation, we know that it's close. And it's in their nation. They're being established. Jerusalem is now their capital. We're seeing God's timepiece which is the nation of Israel. We know now that it really is soon. Get ready when they start rebuilding the temple. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We'll talk more about that later. But when that happens, you know we, we, are, we are there, all right? Are you ready? Are you ready? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you put your faith in Jesus Christ? If you haven't, I know what you have. You have an empty hole in your heart. Every one of us has an empty hole in our heart that only Jesus Christ can fill. Only by letting Jesus rule our hearts live in our hearts, fill us. That is the only way that we're going to be happy. That's the secret to happiness is putting our faith in Jesus Christ and giving our life to Him, letting Him indwell us through His Holy Spirit. It's the only way. And the only way we can do that is by putting our faith in Jesus. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Yes, the same John 
wrote the book of Re- Revelation through the through the vision that God gave him, through D- Jesus gave him. He also wrote John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Have you ever believed in Jesus, put your faith in him, given your life to him? Have you done that? This is the only way to fill that God hole. And for those of us who are already Christians, are we living? Jesus says, are you ready? Are we living like we're ready? Are we a slave to Jesus Christ? What do we need to surrender? Maybe it's popularity. Maybe it's someone. Maybe it's something. Maybe it's even something good that we need to surrender to fully follow Jesus Christ. Are we, are we really fulfilled? Are we really happy? Not the world happiness. Are we still trying to find happiness in the world even as a Christian in food or, or our phone or a video game or getting high on drugs or sex or something else? Or, or are, are, are we trading God's blessings for the world's shallow version of happiness? Are we trading the real deal for, for the counterfeit? Listen, if God is calling us to something, whether it's following Him in some way here, there, or across the world, wherever He's calling us, if He's calling us on the adventure of faith, wherever it is, wherever it is, whatever it is, don't trade it for anything, anything on this planet. Anything on the planet Earth, don't trade what God is calling. No matter if it's little or big, don't trade it because the only way we're going to find that happiness and that fulfillment is by putting our faith in Jesus Christ and following Him and being His slave and and finding His purpose for our life. So many live meaningless lives. So many, I see so many Christians living these meaningless lives when God has called us and gifted us to do so much more. The secret to happiness is to find our calling and to use our gifts, the spiritual gifts, which will bless other people and we're going to be blessed in return. That is the key for our life. doesn't matter what we're doing. We could be a, we could be a garbage collector. We could be the president of the United States. doesn't matter what we're doing. The point is finding God's purpose in what, where we are. Finding His purpose for our life right where we are. God's going to use us to touch lives right where we are, wherever He's called us. It doesn't matter. But the, the, the secret to happiness is to find that calling and to use our spiritual gifts and bless other people. And in return, we will be blessed. We will be happy. Let's pray. How is God speaking to us? Christians, are we ready? Are we ready for Jesus to come again? He's coming soon. Are we ready? Is there anything in our life that we need to deal with? That we need to repent of? That we need to respond to conviction? Is there anything that we need to obey on? God is calling us to do something we need to obey. Maybe we, maybe it's finding His purpose. Say, God, what is your purpose for my life? Please fulfill that purpose. I surrender to your purpose. I want to really know fulfillment and happiness. And maybe, maybe you're not a Christian yet. Maybe you're not a Christian yet and you have this God hole in your heart, a God hole in your heart that only, only Jesus can fulfill. Only Jesus can fill. There's only one way by putting our faith in Him. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life life. Maybe you need to put your faith in Jesus. 
Let him fill that hole in your heart. Give your life to him. It's a simple prayer of faith in the Bible. God, forgive me. I repent. I turn away from the empty life, the garbage, the sin. I put my faith in Jesus. My faith in Jesus. I believe in Him. I put my faith in Him. I trust in Him. His death on the cross. His resurrection from the dead. I put my faith in Him for my forgiveness. Forgive me. I put my faith in Jesus. I'm going to follow Him. I give you my life. Forgive, faith, and follow. Father, I pray that every one of us will be ready, whether it's by putting our faith in Jesus or giving our life fully to you, full full control of our life, Father. Whatever you're calling, I pray that every person who hears this would be ready for your son Jesus to come again. We know it soon. <laughs> we, we really could see the signs, the contractions. We can see that, God. I just pray that we would be ready. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. See you next time. It's going to get hotter and hotter as we go. It's a wild book. Wild book.